1: Hello, I'm Justine Willis-Thomas. Today I'm hosting Dr. Tara Brock. She's the author of Radical Compassion, Learning to Love Yourself and Your World with the Practice of RAIN. Tara, welcome to the New Dimensions Cafe. It's my pleasure to be with you, Justine. It's my pleasure to have you. The practice of RAIN, this is a practice that you come up with, and that's an acronym for the practice, R-A-I-N. And it's actually helping us to apply our meditation practices to the deepest issues that are facing both ourselves as individuals and as we go out in the world and facing the world and interacting with others. So can you give us some thumbnail of what is RAIN? Sure. RAIN is basically a weave of mindfulness and
2: compassion. And it's done in four steps to make it easily accessible. Because when we get stuck, that's when it's hardest to remember, oh, I need to deepen my attention. And I've had people work on the most difficult emotions and write me notes all the time saying rain has saved my life. I had been thinking of writing a book on rain, but what really convinced me was my relationship with my mother. At age 82, she came down to live with my husband and, and me. And I was really busy and I was always caught between the anxiety of getting things done and the fears that I was letting her down and guilt and so on. I remember one particular day she was bringing a New Yorker to share with me an article and I was riveted on my computer and i barely turned to greet her and she just graciously left it and retreated. But I saw her retreating figure and thought to myself, wow, I don't know how long I'll have her. I did rain that day and I did rain on my own anxiety about getting things done and meeting her needs. And I remember first I started with the R of rain, which is recognize, which was anxiety. I was naming, okay, anxious Allow means you just let it be there. You don't try to get rid of it or do anything, but you make space for what's here, which is really important because you can't go deeper and really contact what's here unless you agree to have it be there. So then the eye of rain was investigate, and for me, investigate's really primarily somatic. So I would feel the anxiety in my body and sense the belief. I sometimes ask myself, what am I believing? Well I'm gonna fail her and I'm gonna fail the people I'm trying to prepare a talk for, failure, failure. And then I'd feel that squeeze in my heart. And I put my hand on my heart and that's the beginning of nurture, where that's the end of rain, where I just tell myself, It's okay, sweetheart. You know, you you love your mom. You know, you can trust that You'll teach and come from your sincerity, it'll be okay, and you love her and you're sincere. So I comforted myself with Anne of RAIN. After the RAIN, quotes, unquote, is the last part of the process where I just felt that shift, where I had started feeling like this anxious, failing self and now I felt like this space of compassionate presence. What I realized was, because I did it over and over again for the last years of her life, I was more available. When we'd go out on our errands, I was actually able to really be with her. And when we'd have our big salads at nighttime, I wasn't trying to get back upstairs to my computer. And when she died, I felt the great grief of of loss, but also not a regret. And I realized that rain had saved my life moments with my mom. And so I share that with people because so many of us are caught in that kind of a trance of... I'm failing, I'm doing something wrong, you know, a trance of blame towards another, doesn't matter. That takes us away from the intimacy that's possible in our lives, and rain can return it to us.
1: Going back to that part, allow, I think of the Buddhist principle without too much aversion or too much grasping. So when we allow, it's not that we're trying to grasp or hold it or pull it into ourselves. But how would you describe it? Letting be. When there's anxiety
2: or fear or hurt or anger, it's just letting the life be as it is for that moment. And I often describe that, that quote from Viktor Frankl, between the stimulus and the response, there is that space, and in that space is your power and your freedom. If we can let be, without grasping, without pushing away, then we have an opportunity to get more in touch with reality and to feel it in our body, to bring compassion, and to heal.
1: So when you say, with reality, that's a big word, with reality. What do you mean by reality? Most of the time we're trying to control our
2: experience. Most of the time, trying to get more comfortable or protect ourselves, there's a sense that around the corner it's going to be too much to handle. So we're tensing against the life that's ahead. Allowing means that we open and say yes to the ways of this moment. We just agree to feel what's here. And unless we meet the moment fully, you know, without pushing it away, without controlling, without grasping, we can't know it. So that's what I mean by reality. It's knowing the changing flow of experience just as it is without trying to make it different.
1: So I'm reminded, and I know you write about this, of the work of Byron Katie, who talks about it's real, but is it true? That quote is actually from a Tibetan teacher,
2: and I use that often, real but not true.
1: Who do you recall?
2: Sokni Rinpoche.
1: Okay, thank you.
2: Yeah. And what that means is that, yes, I'm feeling these feelings of fear about failure. It's a real feeling, but it's not the truth of what's happening. In other words, I'm not really failing. My mind is creating that interpretation. So to let it be real and honor that it's a strong experience, but not let it become the reality that's guiding our lives. By way of example, um, one woman I worked with was terrified of the uh, CEO of her corporation. And every time she'd go into a, a weekly meeting with him, she'd go into brain freeze. This is a very talented, skilled, qualified person, but he was very intimidating. So she'd do rain before the meeting, and she'd recognize her fear of what was coming up, and she'd just allow it to be there, you know, it's real but it's not true, just let it be here. And then she would get in touch within her body and she'd feel kind of a squeeze at the heart and uh, she'd breathe with it and she asked it a question I think is really important when we're investigating which is, how does this place want me to be with it? What does it need? And the response from that vulnerability was just to accept that I'm here, just to accept that I'm here. In other words, not to not to think fear is bad. Which is really interesting because she had assumed that if she was anxious that was a bad thing. So she put her hand on her heart and sent that kind of message of, okay, this belongs, this is natural, I'm letting it be here. In other words, she deepened the allowing as part of nurturing. She sent that message, this belongs, it's okay, you can be here. And she felt a lot of space open up. And that was her after the rain, to feel more spacious. And even during the meetings, when she'd feel spikes of anxiety, she would just recognize it, allow it, say, this belongs, you know. And she found she had a lot more freedom to be spontaneous and reconnect with her intelligence during the meetings. And I share that as an example because it's so powerful that when we have difficult emotions, we think they're bad and they shouldn't be there. They're real, but they're not the truth and if we can let them be there and just let them let them exist we actually find space around them
1: when you talk about that nurturing part i'm reminded of the story that you reveal in your book from Alice Walker and this is about the power of nurturing in this tribe in South Africa I thought, wow, if our whole prison system worked a little more like this. can yeah, do you recall how, yeah, how for the, sure. the process that they would do?
2: Both as individuals and in as a society, when we think somebody has behaved badly, we're punitive. And all social science knows that punishment doesn't work to heal, but we're punitive. Well, in this tribe what they would do is when somebody didn't conform with the rules of the tribe, they'd get into this big giant circle and they'd spend however long it took, sometimes days, reminding that person of their goodness, of all the good things they had done. And by the end of the ritual, that person would remember their belonging and the tribe would celebrate. And this is like, to me, one of the most pure examples of nurturing. That... We are so often down on ourselves, let's say, for ways that we feel we fall short. And if we can recognize, okay, I'm feeling shame, I'm down on myself, and just allow that to be there and then investigate and then bring that kindness and remind ourselves of our basic goodness, we end up being in this place that's spacious and compassionate and actually much more resource, so that when we move forward, rather than rerunning the old pattern, we're free to live much more from our full intelligence and creativity and heart.
1: When using this process, RAIN, to recognize, to allow, to investigate and to nurture, and then to pause after the RAIN into the awareness, when we use this process, what I understand is we're doing it more and more and making it part of our daily life where we can do it really fast. We might be in a grocery line and we can do it really fast or we're on the freeway and we can do it really fast. Then are we actually changing something physiologically in our body, in our brain?
2: Yeah, how you pay attention changes the structure and function of your brain. So if you spend a lot of time judging yourself, you'll just be getting more judgmental. Whatever we practice grows stronger. If you get the knack of recognizing what's going on and and moving towards kindness, then that becomes much more the immediate response and you become kinder towards others too. As clear as ever. In other words, kindness doesn't mean we overlook the conditioning. Kindness doesn't mean we throw down all boundaries. Kindness isn't permission to act out. But what we find is that when we're regarding something with care, we end up behaving in ways that are a lot more empathetic to others and actually a lot more um, helpful to the world.
1: I've been reviewing different books and different things. I'm always doing that. And there's this one book called Tiny Habits by B.J. Fogg, F-O-G-G, and he was talking about a process that's very similar to this and about how someone was just having such a problem after a divorce, but she had to work, continue to work with her ex-husband. And he was so mean to her and just said bad things to her and she would pop off at him. And what he describes is this RAIN process that she did internally and It, over time, changed everything. And that's like, she's not outwardly working, and that's what you're talking about. It's not like outwardly changing someone. I think that you have someone in in the book, his wife grew up with a very abusive mother, and she was starting to transfer that to their daughters. And he was concerned, being the more awakened one of the two of them, and he thought he needed to change her so what was your response to him as far as when we feel like, oh, we're we're good, we, we got this down pat, we're really aware, but that other person, they're not awake.
2: Yeah, well, the bottom line is that we don't wake up and heal when somebody's blaming us. We get defensive. We can't hear what they're saying. About 15 years ago, I started this practice called Rain on Blame for myself that whenever I was caught in judgment and blaming others, I would just pause and very briefly bring rain to it and find underneath that I was either down on myself or feeling insecure or whatever. Because we're not judging and blaming others when we're in a really good place, when we're feeling full and happy. So then I'd I'd bring it inward. I'd do what I call the U-turn. And rather than aiming my negativity outward... I'd come back to myself and find out what was under it and bring some kindness to it. And I found this freed me up so profoundly because blaming others never, ever helps to serve connection with others, nobody changes because we're blaming them. And we end up in a much more small-minded, contracted place ourselves. So I teach a lot with couples, like if we can each do the U-turn instead of blaming, bring kindness to where we're hurting, because there's always an unmet need of some sort, then we can communicate to another person, not from a place of blame, but from realness and vulnerability, and that always gets a better response.
1: So in a situation like that where something is going on and you might be vulnerable to say... Wow, when you say that, I get really scared. You know? well, I'll give you a real okay. example okay. with my Good. husband. Okay. That um,
2: if, let's say, I don't feel he's prioritizing us being together at a certain time when we had planned, and initially I'll be really judgmental and angry at him, but then I'll do rain on blame and I'll do the U-turn and find underneath my anger I'm feeling hurt. I'm feeling like, oh, he doesn't care. you know. I'm going to that, that young place It feels unlovable. And if I can say to him, you know, when you shifted the times around, I felt that sense of vulnerability of unlovable. And and so it hurts when that happens rather than blaming him for it. I'll get a much more compassionate response. And so we both have learned that when we first take the time out to do RAIN and get intimate again with our inner life, we're able to speak to each other from a much more awake, vulnerable, and real place.
1: Thank you. Great example. And I just want to let our listeners know there's much more of this sort of examples and questions and all sorts of things that are available in the book itself. So I encourage people to pick it up Thank you so much for being part of the New Dimensions Cafe today, Tara.
2: Oh, well, I love doing New Dimensions, and I love
1: talking to you, Justine, so it's totally my pleasure. Thank you so much. I've been speaking with Dr. Tara Brock, and she is a senior teacher and founder of Insight Meditation Center in Washington, D.C., and, of course, the author of many books, including Radical Compassion, learning to love yourself and your world with the practice of RAIN. And if you want to know more about our work, you can go to our website, tara.brock.com, And she spells her name T-A-R-A-B-R-A-C-H, tara.brock.com. Or you can get there through the New Dimensions website, newdimensions.org. I'm Justine Willis-Toms, and I want to thank you